Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. guys, welcome back to the Let's Talk Cancer podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Colette, and I am here with my lovely, fabulous, amazing co-host, Leah. Hello! Glad to be back here with you, Colette, and our amazing producer, Julia. Hello, guys! And um, how was your week? It sounds like it's been a, a week for <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, good stuff, though. Good. Lots of uh, growth, personal personal growth, um, working through things and nice. putting them to bed and realizing their purpose. And You said you felt lighter this week too? I did, yeah. yeah. I had an energetic shift where I went from feeling like really heavy, had been working through some things and then just finally just felt this energetic shift and everything just got lighter and go. things just fell into place. And you had a reading with our favorite tender Yes. Era. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So a couple weeks Shout ago. Out. Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah. Had a reading with Tara a couple weeks ago and it was really good. Left with some things to think about. And I actually texted her and said, hey, just want to let you know, everything has fallen into place. Oh. And I just felt like there was some unresolved grief that I needed to deal with. Um, needed to put some things to bed. Good. Okay. Yeah. How about you? It's It's been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's, I've missed you guys. I've missed you guys. Yeah. I know we recorded just a week or so ago, two weeks, a week ago. But I missed you guys. And I feel like there's so much to catch up on. But um, we have wedding stuff coming up. Woo woo. Our two weeks away. Two weeks away. Our baby's getting married. So, um, yeah, we've been doing a lot of wedding stuff. And then I've been working with my cancer coach. Shout out. Shout out to Abby Keller. Abby Keller. She's amazing. Anyone who has questions, reach out to us on at or podcast at weareyoursupport.com. Um, and I can get you her information. But she's been amazing. Awesome. A lot of work there. And, um, yeah, just... Working through some stuff. Yeah. So this week on Tips and Tricks, we are going to go over a little bit of Medicare education and also just some tips and tricks for chemo brain. But I want to preface this with saying we have an upcoming episode with Dr. Matt Brigden, and he is a neuropsychologist who specializes in this field. So we'll touch on some tips and tricks today, but we are going to get in depth coming up soon. So please stay tuned. We will let you guys know when that episode's coming out. He is phenomenal and we cannot wait to speak with him. But We'll be taking a break from next week's Grief and Remembrance series. But if you have a loved one that has a journey that you would love to share with us so that we can honor the, their life and their legacy, please send those stories to podcast at weareyoursupport.com. We really do want to hear from you, our listeners. Absolutely. And we'd love to honor them. And we will be back the following week with a professional series. So we will be speaking with Ariel, one of our licensed marriage family therapists. But for this week, we uh, I definitely want to talk about Medicare, Medicare enrollment, with it being this time of year. Um, 
So Medicare is not one of those things that is designed to be easy or navigable, <laughs> if that's a word. Um, I think I may have taken two words and made them one. But um, so this, yeah, so it is open enrollment season for Medicare. Now, there is a difference between Medicare and Medi-Cal or Medicaid. Every other state in the country, it's Medicaid. California, we're Medi-Cal. Okay, I didn't know the difference. Medicaid is our government-subsidized plans for low-income um, or indigent, indigent populations. Gotcha. Um, whereas Medicare is for people over the age of 65. So when you hit the age of 65, you are, well, depending on um, your social security, what career you've had, because certain careers get you certain Medicare benefits, but basically Medicare, Medicaid, the difference is the E for elderly. So over the age of 65, that's how I remember it myself. So Medicare enrollment. So for people over the age of 65, it's that time of year to enroll for your benefits for the upcoming year. There is, uh, you've probably heard of Medicare A, B, D. What do all of those mean? Right. (laughs) So you do want to check once you hit the age of 65, unless you know that if you had maybe um, federal employee benefits or railroad benefits, um, or if you had a job that offers retirement benefits, you may be able to enroll um, earlier. However, Medicare, so let's say average American age, you hit the age of 65, you're eligible to enroll in Medicare. You may be automatically enrolled into Medicare A and B. A is for hospital stays, B are for co-payments to, you know, see your doctor for annual checkups and such. Now, Medicare Part D is for drugs. Yeah. So um, people may wonder if they need to have a Medicare Part D plan. If you have a pre-existing condition such as asthma or psoriasis or any type of hypertension, um, anything like any, yeah, any type of like pre-existing condition that you know that you need medication for, you do want to have a Part D plan for that. Well, then there's also Medicare Part C. So the way that I remember this is it's very similar to commercial insurance that you have through your employer. So that's your Medicare Advantage plans. So those kind of function like your employer benefits, where if you have an HMO, you need to get a referral to go see a dermatologist or an oncologist or anything outside of the primary care specialty. So that's where your medic and then they're also in charge of your drug coverage. So it's almost like a Kaiser or a, a Sutter Medicare Advantage where everything is all under one umbrella. So if you had Medicare Part C, would you need A, B, and D? So yes, you can have A, B, C, and D at the same time. It will depend on the coordination of benefits. So your Part C plan would be your first payer. Okay. Or your A and B would be your secondary payer. So like having a first, your primary insurance versus your secondary insurance who, like Julia currently, 
that kind of coverage where I provide one, her father provides another. So yeah, so it's like a co-insurance. Okay. Okay, okay makes, yep, sense. makes sense. And so then you may also have the opportunity, um, if you have a Part C plan, to purchase an additional supplement plan, which will help because it is like a commercial plan where you will have out-of-pocket maximums and benefit maxes, that supplement will help cover anything that is up and or over and above that plan maximum. Oh, okay. So again, I mean, I hope that makes sense. I know it's all very confusing, but so yeah, A, we call it the red, white, and blue, A, B, D, A is hospital, B are um, office visits and and such, and D are drugs. C is like that commercial where it's going to be an HMO, everything that's, they're going to determine where you can go to get your prescriptions filled, who you can see. It's, it's like a closed network. Okay. Very good. Um, So something else interesting to know is that if you are a Medicare patient, if you do not have an Advantage plan, you have the availability and the freedom to choose any willing provider. So if you go to your doctor and they say, hey, it looks like you need this medication, I'm going to send it to this pharmacy. You can say, no, no, I would like it sent to this pharmacy. So you have a choice. Yeah. So depending on your income restrictions, you can also register for a LIS, which is a low income subsidy for people uh, or Medicare patients to ensure that their co-pays for their medications are $4.30. Now, the limits are changing next year, which is fantastic. They've needed to change for a really long time because... Traditionally in the past, there has been an out-of-pocket minimum that people need to meet, which is usually, uh, unfortunately, has gone up over the last several years. This year, I believe it's around $4,700. So those LIS subsidies do exist for low-income patients. Um, It can vary state-by-state, plan-by-plan, what that looks like, but the Social Security LIS um, allows patients to get their medications for about $4.30. Every year, there is an out-of-pocket maximum where patients have to hit that number, and then they go through the donut hole, and then they get to catastrophic coverage. And so for a healthy Medicare patient, you're going to go to the doctor, you're going to get your normal you know, blood pressure medications, whatever medication you need that you can go to CVS and pick up you're going to pay your copay, you're going to go home, life is fine. Now, if you get a diagnosis such as cancer and you need medications that aren't available at your local pharmacy because they're highly toxic, um, very expensive, for whatever reason, your local pharmacy isn't going to have those on hand. Um, so there are specialty pharmacies that your doctors may need to send your prescriptions to. Um, but back to the out-of-pocket you know, donut hole, all of that stuff. So next year, those limits are being reduced, which is really great. We still don't know what that's going to look like. I know that currently it looks like um, you need to pay about $4,700 out of pocket. And when you are an elderly patient living on a $30,000 a year, that's a lot of money. Right. That's a lot of money. And you may not even think that I don't have the money for a Medicare Part D plan. 
However, having that Medicare Part D plan is what makes you eligible for the low income subsidies. It it also makes you eligible for uh, foundational grants, which is something that's almost, I don't want to say unique to cancer, but there are a lot of foundations out there. There's HealthWell, um, patient assistance. If you currently are in need of assistance, you can sign up at FundFinder. It's FundFinder. Make sure I get all the letters in there. FundFinder.com. And you can put in your diagnosis and they will tell you what grants are available. You can also ping yourself or, you know, get like a, almost like a Google alert. So if like I have a breast cancer and prostate cancer um, set on my phone. So anytime those grants open up, I get pinged that there's a grant available. We'll definitely link that in the phone. Definitely. Um, so there are grants and foundations out there. Um, like I said, so once you hear or so once a patient hits their out-of-pocket deductible, that forty seven hundred dollars, then they go into the donut hole, which means they're responsible for everything. And how long are you in this donut? Until you get to seventy five hundred dollars. Oh. Then you go to catastrophic coverage, where then you are only responsible for 5%. Okay. But what is 5% of a $100,000 medication? That's still a lot more than someone living on $30,000 a year can afford. So if you do not have a Medicare Part D plans, a lot of the drug manufacturers do have free drug programs that you can automatically enroll enroll in if you do not have that Part D plan. I will tell you, every year, one drug goes away. You know, one one drug loses their free drug program. Oh, okay. And so the great thing about grants and foundations is those dollars can then get applied to your deductible to help you get through your donut hole, your catastrophic phase. That's nice to know because I had no idea about the grant finder and how that could, or what was the one you were saying? Fund finder. Mm-hmm. So if you do have, if you know, depending on your oncology office, you might have a nurse navigator who is really good at or who is very educated in helping secure funds. You might have um, almost every oncology office has a financial coordinator and it is their job to um, help patients who can't afford things find the funds to do so. And that's good to know because with me, I had good, reliable insurance. So I didn't have to go through the financial portion of it. So knowing that had I been someone who did not have that insurance, I I, I know they were available. I just didn't use them. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. But knowing that they're out there and that is a resource for our cancer patients to find that, just, you know, put that in your brains, guys. Like that is out there. It is really important. Use your financial financial advisor at your oncology offices. Yeah. Because one of the things that we, you know, one of the stories that we hear so frequently is a patient got a cancer diagnosis and, you know, like we've, we've talked to guests on our show that know, everybody knows someone who has literally been financially bankrupted because of a cancer diagnosis. And if there's anything that we can do to help you stay in your home or utilize the resources that are out there for you, we want to do that for you. 
Like I said, changes are coming next year. Um, it looks like they're going to be lowering the out-of-pocket max, and they will be doing away with the donut hole. Oh, which, wow. And the current administration has also, um, in the past, uh, Medicare could not negotiate prices. The current administration has put it on, it has made it a priority to negotiate um, some of the most, the drug prices for some of the most commonly prescribed medications. Um, there is one cancer medication that is is one of the first 10 to be affected. But in the coming years, there are more that are going to be coming. So I think there's really good things on the horizon um, for cancer patients. But those are just some of the resources that are available to you now. I know that was a lot. If you guys have any specific questions, please feel free to email podcast at weareyoursupport.com. We will do our best to answer those questions. Um, and with that, let's switch gears and talk about chemo brain. All right, guys. So we are also going to discuss a little bit about chemo brain, mainly focusing on some tips and tricks on um, maybe some things we can do to help our cognitive performance um, after we've gone through our cancer journey. But I want to say we are going to be speaking with Dr. Matt Brigdom. He is a neuropsychologist and he, he's the creator of The Clear Mind. And I found him from doing some research on chemo brain because chemo brain is such a, it's a very weird subject in the, this cancer world because many doctors kind of blow it off and just say, give yourself time, you'll be fine. You know, it's not real. It's not a big thing. And crazy thing that Dr. Matt Brigdon had spoke to me about is it's been researched for 20 years. And getting this message out is huge. And so we will be having him on in a future episode, hopefully in the November month. And he will be discussing it in much more detail. But we just today wanted to kind of talk about what chemo brain was in a small nutshell, and maybe some things we can do to help um, kind of foster that healthy mind and getting us um, into giving us some some guidelines into just some things we can do to help out our brains. And well, to kind of set the expectation, right? Almost like what to expect when you're expecting chemo. Right. And crazy thing. So in doing my research and speaking with him is he was talking about getting away from the term of chemo brain. He said, we need to separate it because brain, absolutely, it encompasses the brain and the neurofunction of how our brains work. But chemo is not the key to it. You don't have to go through chemo. It doesn't have to be chemo. It doesn't have to be just, you know, that in in general. It is the whole cancer journey. It's the cancer diagnosis. It's the the journey of it. It can be things such as vitamin deficiencies, inflammation, of course, brain metastasis, but not even necessarily brain metastasis because that the cancer journey itself can cause this which they are calling it cons, cancer ordeal neuropsychological symptoms. And so it encompasses the entire cancer journey, not just if you have chemo. 
So you have a lot of people who are disregarding what they're going through mentally because maybe they didn't get chemo. Interesting. Right. I'm just learning that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, bringing up the vitamin deficiencies, I know after the age of 65, our body slows down its vitamin absorption. Right. And your brain can start shrinking and that can lead to cognitive decline just of a normal, and again, sorry, sorry guys to use that word, Um, but cognitive decline. Yes. And this is his field. So he doesn't just deal with the cancer journey itself. He deals with the whole neuropsychological um, world and how we can start to decline in many ways, whether it's through depression, anxiety, radiation, chemotherapy, all the things that can affect our neuropsychological health. I was going to say it, you know, being a little bit of a brain nerd over here, I have have no degree in this. So do not take anything I say for fact. But I believe as I was going through school for, you know, starting the schooling for neuropsychology, um, it has to do with um, damage to the brain and how it affects your cognitive functioning and your um, and your and your mental state, your psychology. And he wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. Called What Happened to You. Right. And about how things that occur in our lives cause create neural pathways and there are mm-hmm. things that we can do throughout our lives to create new neural pathways right and so with something like chemo mm-hmm. having such an impact on your physio your basic biology your physiology um that makes a lot of sense right that would also be affected and people doubt the relevance of chemo brain because Mm -hmm. many chemos do not cross the blood brain barrier, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be it crossing the blood brain barrier. It really has to do with what it's done to you physiologically and within your whole body. Because our body is a beautiful system that is all intertwined. Yes, absolutely. And everything, everything impacts other functions. Right. And so real quick, if I can just go back to, to the beginning of this, um, what we what we refer to as chemo brain. Um, it currently, although now research, as Dr. Brigdom had mentioned, now is being referred to as cons. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes what you'll hear from your healthcare providers, they refer to it as chemotherapy induced cognitive impairment or cancer treatment related cognitive impairment. Yes. Yes. And so like he was saying, there's so many things that encompass your cancer journey that it doesn't have to be just the chemotherapy itself. So when we doubt ourselves, and I was explaining to him within our area, there's not a lot of, and this is just in my tiny little area here in Northern California, that doesn't really recognize chemo brain as a real thing. And it's the focus of that chemotherapy. So it does not have to be that. It can just be the cancer journey within itself and what it does to us with stress, anxiety, vitamin deficiency, inflammation, you know, all those things. So we wanted to get that out there that if you're having any kind of cognitive difficulties since your journey, it is quote unquote chemo brain or cons. And so I really appreciated reading his, um, he had a little diagram on his uh, Facebook page about the cancer ordeal 
neuropsychological symptoms. And psychologically being neuro equaling the brain and psyche equaling the mind and neuropsychologically, the study of the relationship between the brain and our mind, our mood, our cognitive skills and behavior. And so much of that does not have to do with chemotherapy itself Mm -hmm. affecting our brain. So getting the word out there that don't disregard what you're feeling because maybe you didn't go through chemotherapy. Maybe you did, but maybe it was just radiation. Maybe it was just surgery. Maybe it was whatever immunotherapy, whatever it was, the stress, the anxiety, Mm -hmm. the inflammation, the anemia, the vitamin deficiencies. Loss of sleep. Loss of sleep. If you think about how huge one, how sleep can affect your cognitive functioning in such a major way. I mean, I don't think I've talked to a single person who has gone through cancer um, who got a full night's sleep. They put us on sleeping pills right away, Mm -hmm. you know, because we have trouble sleeping Mm -hmm. and you have trouble coping and you have anxiety and then you have your all your vitamins they want you to take because you have vitamin deficiencies. It all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I wish it was part of our care plan as we've talked about before with mental health, part of your care plan from the beginning that, hey, there is a psychological portion of this, not just mental health, but mental health as well. But your body's going to experience these things. These biological changes, these neurological changes that don't have to stem from a blood blood brain barrier across, you right. know, cancer uh, treatment. Chemo, yeah, yeah, exactly. So today we didn't want to get too deep into it because we have this amazing doctor who's going to be on shortly to speak with us and give us all of his wisdom and I was able to actually speak with him yesterday and just really raised my heart and soul and made me feel so good about the research that they're doing. He was actually on his way home from a conference and stopped to talk to me. In, within his own journey, just to, you know, you know, have a little conversation about, you know, this with me, and then we'll be doing our segment with him in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. Excited. Yeah, it's wonderful to know that that there is someone out there and probably more than just him, but someone out there who does take it so seriously right. and has researched this for so long. Right. And we we discussed just getting the word out how they are working so hard in this field. And they've been doing it for 20 plus years. And the word is still just bare trickling into our small communities. Well, for such a long time in the medical community, the brain was the only part of the body that we treated with no physical or no empirical evidence. It was just kind Mm -hmm. of throwing something at the wall to see if it stuck. Mm -hmm. And now that people are doing more research on the brain and how the brain impacts other parts of the body and how it all is um, integrated, people are, I feel like while we're getting more answers, we're able to look at the root cause of things and where it goes from there, what caused it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like science is going towards being able to do that with our brains. Right. I mean, even in the study of depression. Yeah. You know, um mental illnesses are one of those things that have just been try this, try this. Mm-hmm. Well, now there are you can do genetic studies to find out or I'm sorry, genetic tests to find out what kind of medicines your Absolutely. body will respond to, what kind of medicine I've actually done them. your body mm-hmm. won't respond to. Yes. It's, it's getting more affordable even if your insurance doesn't cover it. I highly recommend paying for it out of pocket, you're able to make better decisions about 
your health, when you right. can advocate knowing. It sort of cuts out that trial and error because right. exactly. I've done one and there are medications that my psychiatrist has said, I will absolutely never prescribe this right. to you because it does not work with your DNA. One of the reasons why I'm very passionate about this is because without getting into too much, without sharing um, someone else's story, it has changed the trajectory of family members' lives. Yes, mm-hmm. it has. Because we've seen what trial and error can do. We c- we've seen what precision can do. And there is a difference. One of the most fascinating things that I've learned is that about 70% of depressed patients have some form of the MTFHR mutation, Yes, which means your body is not able to metabolize folic acid into folate, which is a very important amino acid in the production of um, moon-regulating neurotransmitters such as serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, oh, oh, which wow. are huge. Yeah, and when you, that's all of it. And you can't... We can't make a direct correlation, but when hmm, your body can't turn green, le- like leafy greens, into folate <laughs> to produce enough yes neurotransmitters to make you want to get out of bed, like there's a correlation. And all you're being told is eat your leafy greens, yes, move, exercise, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And there it's- are cycle. It comes down to there are psychological, or I'm sorry, physiological and biological things. And so I cannot wait to hear. Yeah, I I just think he is going to bring us so much knowledge, and I'm so excited. And as Julia was saying, she did the genetic testing for the medications that work. She it, what is it? Red light, green light. Yep. There's red, your yellow, green. Red, yep. yellow, green. Yeah. And crazy thing is I happened to be put on one of the green light medications before she ever did this. And they put her on the same one, not to put out everyone's business, but several other family members have put on the same, been put on the same one and they work fantastic for us. And so they say it's, you know, familial, it's genetic. And so I was talking to another family member just on Friday and I was like, Hey, you know, Julia did this workup and these are work. Well, this, these are the things that work well for us. We're family it could help. And so I think it's really important and not that it's all about medication for sure. But in this realm, you know, we have to take care of our mental health. And that's a big part of the chemo brain. And since we're talking about medications, I have to say in the chemo brain tips and tricks that I was looking at, one of the last things, so I'm starting from the bottom, one of the last things they talked about was medications. And that stimulants such as Adderall, Ritalin, I'm on Vyvanse, I have no problem saying that, um, that they are a huge helper in this. And I looked at Julia and I said, oh my gosh, I feel like ever since I've been on Vyvanse and I went on Vyvanse not knowing I wasn't going on it for chemo brain. I was going on it because we just thought I was ADHD. And I have felt so much more in control and more focused. And I don't, I still lose my words, (laughs) but not as much. And I feel much more um, just to kind of together, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're able to grasp everything that life throws at you and not drown in all of it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So before we get too deep into that, I did want to talk about some of the symptoms just so anyone listening can kind of maybe think, hey, you know, maybe I have some of that. Maybe I don't. Maybe it applies. Maybe it doesn't. Um, But some of the symptoms of chemo brain, and this is from the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Brigdom gave me some amazing resources. I have to say Mayo Clinic, the American Cancer Society, um, let's see, Harvard and Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland Clinic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will link them in all of our show notes because this is all from them. Um, so real quick, just question based on what he was saying, should we going forward refer to quote unquote chemo brain as cons? Is that the more, um, probably it's a more, the more I, correct. Well, it's the more correct. I don't know that it's the more known, Okay, but I think it's a, we can definitely refer to it as cons as long as you know chemo brain or cons. Yeah, chemo brain okay. or cons. But definitely getting that verbiage out right. there because and, I still don't want to isolate anyone who hasn't sure. received chemo treatment. So yeah, yeah. and just getting that um, verbiage out there so mm-hmm. people start recognizing it as more of a cancer related related mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. versus just a chemo because that tends to isolate populations that did not maybe receive chemo. Right. Okay. So yes, for cons. So some of the symptoms um being unusually disorganized which I can be unorganized on a daily basis, <laughs> but I am I'm the mother of five children. I, you know, worked full time. I I was pretty organized. It was organized chaos, but I became much you more might have even said a little OCD, but <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely became a lot more disorganized especially in my thoughts. Just my thoughts were kind of all over the place and I didn't know how to put them how to put them correct. I just didn't. It it wasn't, it was very, it was very hard for me. And just a little bit more on my story because as time's gone gone on and when you research chemo brain or cons, you see these different um percentages. And they'll say like 25 to 30 percent of people that received chemo end up with some kind of chemo brain, chemo fog, chemo fatigue, cons. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they say, you know, it lasts like nine to 12 months. And sometimes there's a small fraction that lasts longer than that. I'm six years out. I'm much better. I was going to say a lot of the sources that I was looking at that seem legit, a lot of what you can find on, you know, just by Googling, you know, Mm -hmm. chemo brain, a lot of them say, oh, up to a few months after treatment, anyone we've talked to, it is much longer, much longer. than that. It's still not widely understood, I'd say. Mm-hmm. As That's why I'm very excited to get Dr. Brigham on yeah. because it's, it's more understood. There's just the information isn't at, as accessible. It's so small. It's mm-hmm. so small. And so being someone who's six years out and noticing a difference, I have definitely noticed an uptick in my cognitive health, but I still struggle with words. I can be in a complete coherent conversation and lose everything I was about to say, but it has gotten better. But one of the things I had read is sensory overload. And I remember a time probably within my first year where I had to tell the family and so talking to your family about it as well and acknowledging it and Mm -hmm. letting them know what you're going through is a huge part of, you know, just kind of your recovery and just Mm -hmm. getting people to understand. And I think I made a post on Instagram because I was so frustrated because I was like, chemo brain is real. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell my kids, mom, 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 mom will do nothing but shut me down and Mm -hmm. make me lose my mind or 
my husband had an alarm set for everything. Everything in his life had an alarm going off. And every time I heard that alarm, I literally had a meltdown because it just was a sensory overload and he tends to not turn them off. (laughs) So they would go off every nine minutes. And so that sensory overload was too much or just the kids playing and the oven going off and the TV playing and the dogs barking, I would melt down. And that sounds like Typical for most people anyways, Mm -hmm. but when you're having this cognitive difficulty, it would literally shut me down and I was shutting down to the point where I was taking a nap on the couch every night at 5 p.m. It was like when the most chaos was happening, Mm -hmm. I and... Julia knows this. You loved chaos. You thrived in chaos. I thrived in chaos. Yes. Mm -hmm. Again, you have five children. Yes. (laughs) And Julia knows that I could fall asleep, but I heard everything and I was the lightest sleeper in the world. And now I have this weird shut off button. And it's like when I've had too much, I fall asleep and they cannot wake me up for nothing. And I think it's my body preserving itself going, you can't deal. You need to shut everything off and they have to like shake it's me awake. Tactic. It really mm-hmm. is. It really is. So certain things like the sensory overload, you have to limit that and talk to your families about that and let them know what's going on with you and what's triggering you. And now as I'm further out, I, I still thrive in chaos. And as we had a Halloween party last <laughs> night, <laughs> I survived just fine. But when the party was over, I was dead to the world, you know, but um, I definitely have gotten better. And I noticed that as I was reading the research, I was like, okay, I see that I've gotten better over time. I also have gone on different medications. Mm-hmm. So that could be a huge help as well. So, you know, things like that. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, there is no current standard treatment for chemo brain, correct, or cons? No current treatment other than the um, stimulants possibly helping. Okay. So, and yeah, I think they're just helping that brain spinning and that brain kind of calming down Mm -hmm. and focusing a little bit better. Yes. But back to the symptoms, um, confusion difficulty concentrating and a lot of this may sound like the normal person i'm like this just sounds like a perimenopausal <laughs> woman in america well, well and i relate to it a lot family. too with adhd it yes. sounds a lot of when you're talking about the sensory overload i'm like yes absolutely yeah, yeah so absolutely. i wonder if there's any sort of and i'm sure dr brigdom could could yes. let us know more about I this i always thought i was a bitch <laughs> <laughs> but i wonder if there's any sort of neurological um, correlation. Correlation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that he'll talk about this when we speak to him because his world is not just chemo brain and mm-hmm. cons. His world is all neuro neuropsychological symptoms. And so he deals with this in many, he talks about concussions. He talks right. about dementia, Alzheimer's, TBIs. TBIs. Okay. Absolutely. So having him on will shed so much light into I our brain. Ask him the difference between like on if he's been able to look at scans and see like the difference between chemo brain and like TBI. Ooh, oh, that's wow. a great question. Because we've talked about this with um 
someone in our life who has a yeah. TBI and he, it was actually his idea mm-hmm. about potentially coming on the podcast to shed some light on the similarities between, between TBI and, and chemo brain or yep. cons. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so we will be looking forward to that hopefully in December. If that's something that you would be interested in, please email yes. the podcast at <laughs> Absolutely. So yes, we are looking forward to that hopefully within the yeah. month of December. We and if you have that. any you know symptoms um, that you would like to share or stories that you would like to share about experiencing cons or, or chemo brain, um, we would love to, you yeah, know, send re- them in. Yeah. Yeah. Read those emails and and we would love to provide any resources that we have available right. to help share, cope. Overshare. We <laughs> yeah. want to hear from you. And ha- send in your questions for Dr. Brigman. Yes. Yeah. He, you know, send your questions that. in and we can ask him while we have him on the podcast. Because truly we're doing, we want to do this to benefit other people. And we can only know the questions that you need asked if you right. let us know. Absolutely. Right. So just back to a few more symptoms. Um, let's see. Difficulty learning new skills. And okay. for me, learning, I went back into my first post-cancer nursing career. And I felt very confident. I knew what my basics of a nurse was. And I had a great background in this, but it was a new place. It was a new thing. It was a doctor, all the things. And it was crazy because I learned about um, this is recognized under the Disabilities Act and they have to make accommodations for you. And I did wow. not realize that. Had I known that, I would have enforced it in my job mm-hmm. because I needed that little just extra step back to absorb it all and learn it all. And there, you know, even though I was, I had been a nurse for so long, it was a new career. But you also probably approached it with, I'm just starting a new job. Yes. Old Colette starting a new job. Yep. Not. Not chemo the brain new Colette. Old Colette. <laughs> yes. Starting a new job. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the adventures of new old Colette. Yeah. Like, like. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important for people to know that this is recognized under the American Disability wow. Act. I did not know that. Yeah, I just I just was researching that. And that is something that you can ask for accommodations for. That's wonderful. And for them to give you a quieter room to work in or give you that extra step in time to learn your your position or what you're doing. So um, difficulty multitasking, which I'm a multitasker to the nth degree, but I get overwhelmed, I melt down and (laughs) I don't handle it like I used to. Um, Feelings of mental fogginess, which, you know, like I said, a lot of this sounds like things that we tend to go through when we're struggling mentally anyways. But had you been through this process, you can- It's only amplified. Absolutely. Short attention span. Short-term memory problems, which, oh my, (laughs) we were at a client event recently and I didn't forget this person's name. I couldn't get it to come out of my mouth. Right. And so I was like, I grabbed her by the shoulder and I'm like, I know your name. I know your name. It just won't come out of my mouth. And it was just one of those moments in time where six years later, I'm still going, "Ah, just give me a second. Give me a second. I got this, you know, Um, trouble with verbal, verbal memory, such as remembering conversations, trouble with visual memories, such as recalling images and list of words. Wow. Now, something that I had been reading as well is people were asking, how do I know if it's chemo brain versus early onset dementia or Alzheimer's? Oh, wow. And they said, you don't have the recall. 
or you have the recall that they don't have. Oh, so okay. had you been talking about the sun is yellow, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, what was that thing we we're talking about? And you're like, yellow. Oh, sun. Whereas a dementia patient or an Alzheimer patient doesn't have that recall okay. of to the color. And oh, yeah, we we're talking about the sun. Okay. So you can you can definitely research this on the American Cancer Society, the Mayo Clinic, Cleveland, Medical, Harvard, and did I miss one? I think that did was Did you say all. Mayo Clinic? Mayo Clinic, okay. yes. And so um those are some really good those are some good resources. And just if you're questioning yourself if you have chemo brain or cons, mm-hmm. then you can maybe talk to your doctors about it and push for neuropsychological testing because your doctors and your oncologists have those resources. We just don't push for them as much as we should be. It honestly baffles me that that, is, like you were saying, is not part of the care plan. Right. Because it's something they're aware of. However, you you were saying that some medical providers don't take it as seriously. No. Well, and I don't think it's that they don't take it seriously. It's mm-hmm. that their expertise is killing the cancer. Right. 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 So not their priority, I guess I should say. Yeah. I don't even think it's not their priority, but... It's just not their wheelhouse. Well, and when you think about, I mean, how many doctors are seeing how many cancer patients a day? Right. And their primary objective is to kill the cancer. Mm -hmm. There are neurologists, psychologists, neuropsychologists. Right. There are other people better suited to deal with those things. Um, But definitely reaching out, asking your nurse navigators. Mm -hmm. Um. Letting your doctor know, I want this testing done. Right. Instead of saying, this is going on in my brain and they just poo-poo it and it's no big deal. yeah, that's normal. It happens. You have chemo brain. Instead of saying, I want to be tested by a neuropsychologist, they're going to go, oh, you've done your research. You triggered something in me that I need to get that done. And I I cannot lie. I listened to my doctors poo-poo it away and I did... I just said, okay, I'm crazy. Like, it's chemo brain, but I'll deal with it on my own. And I think that'd definitely be a great question for us to ask Dr. Ringman is, you know, when to push for it versus when is this just a side effect of treatment versus when do I need to push for this? Right. And I think it comes down to just knowing what you don't have to suffer with. Like, I was just thinking about, you know, I'd read something about a a common symptom of the symptoms of chemo brain is mm-hmm. that anger and frustration. Oh, and so bad. Thinking back to you really had to remind us, like, I can't remember things mm-hmm. that you have told me. Mm-hmm. You have to remind me and you can't get mad at me when I don't remember. Right. And we had to learn like, okay, that is going to be a normal thing from, right. from now on. We have to remind her and right. that is okay. And you don't have to suffer with that if there are resources for you to right. go get help and go right. get testing. Right. So some of the tips that I wanted to push on for today, because, you know, we are definitely going to get a lot of information from Dr. Brigman. I'm super excited. But um, we have some tips that I have learned from this this particular um, series of tips is from the American Cancer Society. And I'm going to link it in our show notes. I'm going to link all of these resources in our show notes. But it's funny because reading these, I was like, these are things I kind of tripped along and found out on my own, but, um, brain games. So I started doing brain games and even things like, um, words with friends, 
You know, I would do words with friends and there's one called Brain IQ. And so there's a lot of apps out there, but I do some brain games and then I do some fun games. One is, I don't remember the name of it, but it's something like Candy Crush, but it's not Candy Crush, but just things that make your brain active. Okay. And make you have to critically think. So do some brain games, do some crosswords, do things like that using a daily planner. And I am a note taker now. I write myself notes. I make my calendar. I have, I mean, things are written everywhere in my house to provoke me or remind me that, hey, you have to do this today. And I definitely, I have in, (laughs) I sent my friends a picture of my alarms um, a few, like a month ago. And they were like, my gosh. And I was like, no, I have an alarm for everything just to remind me, hey, Colette, take your meds today. Hey, Colette, take your kids to school today. (laughs) Colette, pick your kids up from school today. You know, oh, you have this appointment today or you have a meeting today. And so I have alarm set for everything. Give yourself these prompts. So it just kind of reminds you. Um, Also, of course, there's your diet and your exercise. So those are things that we know we need to do anyways, but they are very important just to ensure we're doing all we can. So vegetables, vegetables are very important in your mental health and for your brain activity. And then even if you can get five minutes five minutes, start with a five minute walk outside or on your treadmill or, you know, up and down your stairs. Start with five minutes. Turn on your favorite song and dance in your living room. There you go. Yes. Mm -hmm. We used to do that right out of when I got out of chemo. Remember that we did dinner nights and we would do dinner and then we'd dance in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. That's right. I forgot about that. But you know what I had read too is movement that involves that critical thinking Mm -hmm. of, um, like yoga yes, or Pilates, something that you have to focus on your muscle movements, those tiny yes. muscle movements. And your brain is mm-hmm. a muscle. Yep. We have to keep it active. Yep. And so I, it's the biggest thing that I want to punch my doctors in the face when they tell me to eat <laughs> my vegetables and exercise. I'm like, I know. But my primary just told me, Clay, you need to do more exercise. And I'm like, I'm aware, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not not true. It's true. And, you know, so focusing on those Things we know we should do and we're not doing, but start with five minutes. Mm -hmm. Start with a cup of vegetables. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself that little, put some greens in there, you know, and then- Eat your mushrooms. Eat your mushrooms. Eat your mushrooms, guys. I'm not talking about the the psychedelics. I'm talking about the shiitakes, the buttons, the oyster Mm -hmm. mushrooms. Yes, Yes, your turkey tail. Eat your mushrooms. I do take a, I have started taking a mushroom supplement that has turkey tail, lion's mane, all that good stuff in it. They're wonderful for cognitive functioning. They really are. They really are. And one thing I read that was really, it's funny because I talked to my nurse coach about this the other day. She asked me, are you taking a break during the day? And I said, well, I mean, I work from home and I'm a stay at home mom. So between the two, I don't feel like I deserve that. Mm. because I'm in the home. But they're two jobs. And she said, you're doing two jobs. Mm -hmm. And momming doesn't stop. Momming is 24 hours a day. Yeah. So when are you taking your lunch break? And I said, I don't. (laughs) And you're entitled to two tens as well. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't. So she said, you, you've got to, and this is Abby Keller, shout out again, (laughs) you know, and I said, oh my gosh. And so she said, what could you do in your day to make you take that break? Because I said, I don't feel like I can. Like if I'm taking a break, I'm thinking about all the things I'm not doing. And so crazy thing on this list was do the most demanding tasks 
at the point in the day where you have the most energy. So for me, it's in the morning. Oh, after I drop the kids off to school, if my house isn't together, I cannot function. I can't move on to working for ways. I can't move on to working on wedding stuff. I can't move on to working on anything else, which means I can't take a break. So she said, when you have the most energy, do those most important tasks. So get that done. And then you have more time in your day to focus on you and you can take your breaks and you can do the other things. But once you get those most important tasks done at that peak of your day and your peak of your mental well-being Mm -hmm. and your mental health, then you can get those done more confidently. So I thought that was really, really good, especially since I just talked to her about that. Um, Set up and follow routines. So I'm good with a routine. I If I don't have a routine and if I don't have a plan for the day, I'm a disaster. And I notice since my cancer journey, I don't want to say since chemo, but since my cancer journey, as long as I'm following a routine, I'm good. But I was watching a video of Dr. Bridman's and he was talking about just doing kind of a, they were moving some stuff and you know, unloading a truck, loading a truck and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he knew this one particular item was not to be left at where they're dropping the rest of the stuff off. But he unloaded it from the truck and told himself, don't forget that we got to remember to put that back in the truck and then moved on with his day. And they forgot the thing there. And he said, had I taken a little bit more time to say, no, that is important. I need to take that and put it back in the truck. I need to remember to not forget this instead of just scurrying on with his day and the rest of the things he had to do. Right. He would have given himself that opportunity to remember, I need to do this. And I thought, you know what? I'm very much the person that if I stick it in my brain or if I stick something to it, if I stick a moment to it, if I stick a funny thing to it, whether it's a name. If I forget a name, but I can make something funny out of it, I'll never forget your name again, Mm -hmm. you know? So taking that moment to give it a little extra thought just to attach something to it to help you remember, because we are going through it. We're going through it. Um, Let's see. Sleep was a big thing. So getting your sleep and getting your rest And if you are struggling with that, talk to your primary care physicians, talk to your oncologist, because there's definitely sleep aids out there. Not all of them I feel are great for you, but that's my personal opinion. Um, But, you know, there's definitely melatonin and there's other things. Right now, I currently have found it wasn't working for me for a long time, but trazodone is working for me right now. This is, again, just my personal opinion, but I'm sleeping better at night. I'm not having these crazy crazy dreams that are making me wake up in a panic attack in the middle of the night where I'm able to sleep through the night and just get that rest. Um, try not to focus on these the symptoms that bother you. So even though they're really, it's really in the forefront of your brain, just try to manage them and don't get down on yourself about them. Think about the ways we can manage around them. And one last thing I wanted to address that I read from another, I don't remember who I read it from, was alcohol consumption. Oh. And I have a personal story with that where soon after chemotherapy and I want to say I was probably 
out of my cancer journey totally. I had went out with some friends one night and consumed a decent amount of alcohol and I slept and I woke up completely sober and stuff, but my mind could not get itself together the next day. I had the hardest time focusing and I was completely sober by the next morning, but I drove home and I had to focus Mm -hmm. so hard on where to turn and how to get home. And it was like I had to put my GPS on, like I almost couldn't remember to how to get to my own house. And it was not an alcohol thing at the right. time. Mm-hmm. It was like a rigi- residual effect of the alcohol. I wonder if that has to do with inflammation because alcohol be. is an inflammatory. We'll ask him about that yeah. because it was something that stuck in my mind when I read that. Wow. And I thought, yeah, alcohol obviously affects your memory anyways. Right. <laughs> but when it's so far later, it mm-hmm. was like almost 24 hours later right. that I was going home and struggling really took me a while to recover from that. And I thought, huh, this isn't good. Like, I really need to watch that because mm-hmm. even though I had fun out with the, the ladies the night before, I suffered mentally the next day quite a bit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, those are just some tips and a little bit of a rundown of what chemo brain is and how we can kind of work on acknowledging it and talking about it, talking about it, getting it out in the open, not being ashamed of it. And not trying to justify it away just by saying, oh, it's just my chemo brain. It's a real thing that's happening. It's a real thing that's happening. And even just saying like, oh, well, you've been stressed, obviously. It's like, yes, I have. And stress can damage the brain. Yes. I actually have neuropsychological changes Mm -hmm. and damage from that. Right. So not just poo-pooing it away to some simple explanation that actually getting to the root cause of what it is and what we can do about that. So I am super excited that we will be having Dr. Brigman on in a few weeks and we'll definitely announce that prior, but it should be in the month of November. And um, we'll get way more in depth. So please email us your questions, your comments, your stories, your stories, anything you'd like us we to address. Desperately want to hear from you. Desperately, <laughs> desperately want to hear from you. Is anyone out there? Are we doing this just for ourselves? <laughs> Hello, are you out there? No. <laughs> hey, my mom listens weekly. Okay, right. <laughs> Send us your um, questions, stories, grief and remembrance, tips and tricks, anything that you, or topics, anything that you would like us to cover. Please send those to podcasts at weareyoursupport.com. And follow us on all of our social media platforms at LTFC underscore podcast. And listen to us on all your podcasting platforms. And we are going to um, put in our show notes, all of our resources for today. We will tag Dr. Brigman and send us your questions for him. We have a great resource coming up. Let's not waste this opportunity to get some great information. So we hope to hear from you soon. Leave us a review, subscribe, comment. And we look forward to hearing you next week. We will be on break, but November 14th, we'll be back with Ariel, one of our licensed marriage family therapist and we will talk to you then thanks everyone have a great week bye Bye, guys we are your support thank you for talking cancer. cancer